We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning on this crisp, cool fall day. Glad to be with the church. Uh, In the next few weeks ahead, until our brother James returns, um, I have a burden to encourage us in the area of evangelism. As you, some of you may know, um, the past few years, uh, Darius and I have done some uh, outreach on the campus of the University of Michigan, and uh, I'll be honest and say that was has been a formative time for me. Um, in the past, before then, I've done some evangelism and tried to be atten- intentional about that, but uh, this really caused both Darius and I to be more intentional and to think through Uh, our gospel presentation, to uh, think about how we're sharing the gospel. Are we sharing it clearly? Are we uh, presenting it fully, a comprehensive gospel presentation? And um, and so I want to encourage us with some of those thoughts, both this morning, although this morning is more of kind of an introduction to practical evangelism, and the idea in the weeks ahead is that we'll begin to look at even just various methods that we can use um, because I would say maybe you might admit that one of the di- most difficult I- parts of evangelism is just what to say and how to say it. Um, of course, we know the gospel, and it's ingrained in our minds, but being able to formulate that into a presentation that's clear and, and comprehensive is, is difficult, I think we could all admit. So I hope in the weeks ahead we can reinforce our ability to communicate a clear and, and a full gospel message and, uh, and so what we're really talking about here is practical evangelism and how to do that. Now, uh, I think we all know someone in our lives today that does not believe the gospel, or perhaps uh, they're believing in a false gospel. Perhaps you know some Jehovah's Witness or Mormon, someone that's perhaps entrenched in, the, uh, in Roman Catholicism. And so I hope that in our study of this, uh, you're thinking through, even right now, as we begin this study of someone that uh, could be affected by what we're talking about. How can you use this? I and mean, we're talking about practical evangelism here, and so let's make it practical. Think of someone uh, or multiple people that you touch in your life, uh, whether it be in the workplace, in, the, in your family, your immediate family, or extended family, a coworker. I, and I hope and I pray that these tools will be uh, useful in, in sharing the gospel with them. Um, and so even on that point, and we'll get that to that in a moment, you know, as you're facing uh, the challenge of sharing the gospel with those who either don't believe in God or believe in a false gospel, uh, those in themselves present challenges that we need to know how to overcome. One, if they simply don't believe in God or they don't believe we can know God, if kind of an agnostic view. Or perhaps, again, like I said, they're believing in a false gospel, whether it be the prosperity gospel or social justice gospel or, we said, uh, 
Roman Catholicism. And we have to remember that those, in fact, aren't actually other Gospels. Paul addresses that in Galatians 1. He says there actually is no other Gospel, even though you're being drawn away by something that is kind of a pseudo-Gospel or something that's not true, a false Gospel. We know, of course, there is only one true Gospel, and that is what we are about sharing to those who are unbelieving. Now, I think we can all agree, and I presume that all of us have a great desire to see people saved, do we not? I hope that's our desire. We want to see them saved, be baptized, join the church, and grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, like 2 Peter 3.18 says. However, for this to happen, there is something that needs to happen in the very beginning. What is that? They need to be saved, right? There's that beginning to that process. They must believe in the person and work of Christ. Simply put, they must hear the gospel before they can be baptized, before they join the church, before they grow in maturity. They must hear the gospel. And I think that's an important facet to our gospel presentation, that at the core of all this, and it's so simple that maybe we just don't think about it, is they need to hear the truth. Uh, Romans ten seventeen. let me just read that to you here. You can feel free to turn there. We, we'll probably skip around a little bit today as we're kind of just doing an introduction here, but let me begin uh, back in verse 14 just for a little bit of context, but verse 17 is the crux, the truth that we're looking for here. Verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Let me just stop there for a moment and remind you that we're not just talking about the office of a preacher here. We're talking about someone who is proclaiming something. They are preaching the truth. That's you. That's me. That's all of us that are to be doing this, uh, holding up this responsibility and fulfilling it. And how shall they preach, verse 15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. But for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And here it is, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The only way that faith is going to come is by hearing And hearing requires us to say something, or the hearer has to hear something, and that is the word of God, the only thing that is going to be effective in your gospel presentation in practical evangelism is the fact of you speaking the word of God to them. There, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, you know, there is this notion out there, well, if I just live, you know, a good life, if I live godly enough, my conduct you know, we'll, we'll bring about change in someone's life. And I'm not saying that that's not important or that's not a, an effective tool in our gospel presentation, but Romans 10:17 is very clear that your conduct alone is not going to save them. They need to hear the gospel. That is what is effective in the life of an unbeliever in order for them to be saved. <clears throat> so as believers... We are ambassadors of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 tells us this. It is our responsibility to 
fulfill the Great Commission. This is not a, uh, a suggestion that Scripture gives for the believers. It is a necessity for all of us to be sure in Christ. Therefore, uh, we could conclude that it's absolutely necessary that we be equipped to share the gospel at any moment, at any time. It's not, uh, I say this to myself, it's not a good enough excuse to just say, well, I wasn't ready. You know, I didn't have time to formulate my thoughts or, you know, I didn't have a track on me or something like that. We need to be ready to be uh, in season and out of season ready to share the gospel. So then, we ask the question, how do we reach them? How do we reach our family member, our friend, a coworker, the aunt or uncle or neighbor that doesn't know Christ? Well, we do that by equipping ourselves through studying the word of God and preparing ourselves to be ready to share with them uh, the gospel. So my intention is that by the end of our study or series in this practical evangelism, that we are more confident in our presentation of the gospel, both in the content and also in the method of how we do it, both content and method. Although I will emphasize the content part is the most important part. There is no, uh, there is no perfect method to evangelism. There is no sure method that's going to guarantee that, you know, X amount of people will respond if I give this perfect kind of presentation. That kind of uh, mindset is a faulty mindset. Why? Because it's putting an emphasis on the wrong part. It's putting it on the method, the approach, versus the content. The method is not what is the effective. It is the Spirit of God using the content of the gospel to convict them of the truth. However, that doesn't mean that we have no method or no approach to how we share the gospel. Otherwise, we can quickly get on tangents, we can get off the gospel message, and we can quickly go down a rabbit hole. Maybe perhaps you know, they try to veer us away to other topics in Scripture, which aren't necessarily bad, but aren't effective in our gospel presentation. And so methods are not wrong. We should have an approach, but they are not what is the most effective thing. Otherwise, now we put the emphasis on ourselves and how we speak, you know, and how we present it, and rather the Word of God working in that person. Now, um, kind of as a prerequisite to all of this, I just thought we'd think about a few of these questions, some things that maybe we're thinking about and that have uh, maybe even admittedly hindered us from sharing the gospel with others. And that is this, that there are things or there are challenges to sharing the gospel. That there are challenges that make evangelism difficult for both the listener and also the presenter, you. In regards to those who we are speaking to, who we are sharing the gospel with, these are a few challenges in which we face. One, the unbeliever has a fundamental inability to understand the things of God. We know that, right, from 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man does not understand the things of God. And so we have this, this fundamental inability that we're up against. And we need to recognize that, that uh, they are, as some versions put it, spiritually discerned, unable to understand 
these things without, of course, the Spirit working in them to regenerate them. And so this alone, we understand, makes it difficult uh, to, to uh, share the gospel with them and to have a result outside of the work of the Spirit. Romans 1.18, we'll turn there because we'll look at a few verses there, also shares uh, or reveals another challenge that we face when evangelizing. Romans 1, let me begin in verse 16 as it relates to even our conversation this morning. You know this verse well, I'm sure. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Notice there, too, where the the power lies. (laughs) Going back to what we just said a moment ago, it's not the method. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God that changes lives. The end of verse 16, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it... That is the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Then verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so we face the challenge of unbelievers suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. They, as Romans goes on to, to teach us, they know God. They have a basic understanding of God, an innate understanding, but they have suppressed that in their unrighteousness. And so, um, you know, we have to kind of break through that shell and those layers of, that they have built up of suppressing the truth. And um, as we do that, you know, we trust that the Spirit will work uh, through that our presenting of the gospel to them to break down those barriers. Another challenge that we face is that hearts are darkened. Romans 1, 21, it says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The hearts of those who we are trying to reach are darkened by their unrighteousness, by their, uh, their forgetting of God, so to speak, their futile thoughts, and their chasing after the foolish things of this world. We also see from Romans 1, 22 and 23 that we face the challenge of the idolatry in the hearts of these people. Let me read verses 20 and 2 and 23, which says, Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men, man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Of course, um, it's not as likely, although it's not totally unlikely, that the kind of idols in, uh, that people worship today are, you know, the the four-footed creatures, you know, molded from wood or clay or precious metals, but there are the idols of this world, the lusts of the flesh, the pride of the eyes, or the pride of life and the lust of the flesh, and also the idols of the heart, the worldly pleasures that we 
uh, that we go after, the things that we desire. And so we must uh, understand this challenge when presenting the gospel. On that notion as well, there are just the general worldly pleasures that we face when, when, uh, or that others are enraptured in and that we are trying to reach. When presenting the gospel to someone, we have to help them understand that there is more to this world than the things which they can see. Uh, you know, people are so engrossed in this day and age in the pleasures of this world that they are so short-sighted to think even about eternal matters. Uh, in, in my time sharing the gospel with Darius on campus, uh, one, of, one of the questions we'd often ask is, what do you think, you know, what do you think is after this life? Do you have any conception of what life after death is like? And I'll say probably nine times out of ten, people would just say, I don't know, I haven't really thought about it. Because they are so engrossed in the things of this world in education, in the pleasures, you know, in, in uh, just so many things that grab their attention. And that is a challenge when presenting the gospel. We need to help them through the word of God, help them understand that there is eternal matters here at stake. Their life is at stake. And there is more to this world than the 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years that the Lord will grant them. Another challenge that we face, and we mentioned this earlier, but is false doctrine and false teaching. Uh, perhaps in your own family or people that you know, uh, a challenge in presenting the gospel is helping them to understand some of the false teaching that they've been taught is, is wrong. And they need to understand what the gospel and what the Bible truly teaches. And that is uh, a challenge. And so sometimes that requires us to do a little study of the things that they've been taught, whether it be uh, Jehovah's Witness or Mormonism or any of those other false doctrines or cults. Now, uh, don't take me to say that that means then we have to be completely engrossed in uh, understanding uh, their, you know, their teaching or their, uh, or their you know, quote-unquote scriptures. That is not the case. Uh, we must be focused on understanding the gospel and clearly presenting that but I think there is an advantage to understanding where they're coming from, understanding their context, their culture, their teachings, so that we can help them understand the fallacy in what they're believing. Now, as a presenter of the gospel, we also face our own internal limitations. We face our own sin nature that perhaps is tugging at us to not even think about presenting the gospel, we're so captured by the things of this world, we can be, that are in our, in our own sin nature that we simply just don't think about the opportunities that we're given to present Christ to others. Perhaps uh, we lack also the spiritual maturity to share the gospel, whether it be in our conduct or, or whether it be just in our understanding of God's word. And... Um, I, that is, you know, a difficult challenge that we need to overcome, and it's not an easy one. It requires us to be good students of God's word. We also, as I just said, but kind of a corollary, corollary we lack understanding of the gospel. And 
We must admit that at times, that although we know the gospel, are we able to communicate it to others? In the moment, perhaps we lack an understanding of how to, how to uh, biblically lay out the gospel presentation in order for them to understand who Christ is, why he came, what he did for you on the cross, what his future uh, kingdom will look like, what you, what you are in comparison to him as far as you know, his creature, as far as, uh, as, far as uh, your relationship to God, both now and in the future. And so we must make sure that we overcome these kind of challenges by being students of God's word. And that's, again, part of what we'll be doing in the next few weeks is looking at the content of the gospel. What is the gospel? Do I understand it, or do I actually have some, uh, some lack of clarity in areas of, of how to, you know, to present the gospel? Or maybe I'm not presenting the full gospel. Maybe I'm forgetting a key component of the gospel in my presentation. We, we need to be careful of that. Uh, sometimes in our desire to quickly share the gospel, Perhaps you only have a few minutes with someone. Uh, we miss an important facet to the gospel presentation, and we could leave them with an incomplete understanding of, of what the gospel is. Other challenges or limitations that we face is perhaps there's just the general fear of rejection, which keeps us from presenting the gospel to others. Uh, most difficult probably when it's family that we're sharing with because we see them Often, and so we're we're shamed, or perhaps you know we're fearing that uh, some kind of awkwardness will uh, present itself next time we see them. And the fact is that may be the case, um, and maybe they wish you wouldn't have brought it up. But you have to help them understand that you love them, and that uh, uh, that you care for them, and so you're willing to uh, face that possibility of rejection or awkwardness because of that love for them and that desire to see them saved. Although we don't perhaps face this challenge like others around the world do, uh, we do still face it to some extent, and I fear we may experience it sooner than later, and that is the fear of suffering, persecution. And that alone can cause us to uh, shy away from presenting the gospel with others. Another fear or challenge that we face is Feelings of inadequacy. And I'll follow that up and say, that's right. You are inadequate. You are inadequate. But Christ is not, and his word is not. It is sufficient. And so whether you perfectly say what you wanted to say, or you, you, know, you stumble, perhaps, in your speech, that does not matter. Uh, the word of God is adequate. If you simply open up the Bible and begin to read scripture and read the gospel that, to them verbatim, that is effective enough. That is sufficient enough um, to reach them. And so do not fear that those feelings of inadequacy. Embrace them. I think that's a form of humility, you know, going into some presentation, some opportunity, and saying, Lord, I know I'm inadequate, but help me. Have your spirit help me to know what to say. And uh, I'll admit that, you know, even in my times of sharing the gospel, it's uh, highly unlikely that I never come away wishing I would have said something different. I always go away thinking, oh, man, I wish I would have said this, you know, a little bit differently. I wish I would have phrased it like this. 
And uh, those are those feelings of inadequacy. But we have to remember that uh, it is not up to us, again, going back to the method and approach, it's not us perfectly saying something, but it's the Spirit of God working in them through the Word. Finally, and there could be many of these, I've just listed a few of these challenges and difficulties to evangelism, but one more is just the general lack of intentionality. Uh, we get caught, so, caught up so much in our day-to-day lives. You know, we are, we are time-sensitive people. That's the Western culture. Everything is run by time, and, and so we just, you know, we don't block it into our day or we don't make time for it. And so um, that general lack of intentionality can often present it, present it as a challenge in our evangelism. But I would also say that lack of intentionality goes back to uh, number two of what I said, and that's spiritual immaturity. Because the spiritual mature person would say, I need to make time for this. This is an important part of my life. I am responsible. I'm an ambassador of Christ. And so I'm going to make every effort I can to, uh, to be intentional with my relationships that I have. And uh, on that note, too, I, I wanted to present this idea to you of redemptive relationships. Think for a moment, uh, the people that you know that are unsaved, and are you formulating redemptive relationships? What do I mean by that? Relationships in which you are consciously thinking of how you can share Christ with them, how you can reach them. Uh, Perhaps you have coworkers and you have similar interests. You know, maybe you enjoy playing golf together. You enjoy uh, going shopping together or whatever it may be. And those are wonderful opportunities, but I would encourage you to think of those, your commonality, not just as, you know, we enjoy these similar interests, but I have something that that person doesn't have. And that is actually what draws me to them because I want to formulate this redemptive relationship in which I can share Christ with them. And uh, I, I believe that this is important for all relationships that we have with unbelievers to think of them as redemptive opportunities, not just that I have a friendship here because we enjoy golf or because we enjoy you know, similar conversations. <clears throat> now, um, another question as kind of an introduction to our series here is uh, you may wonder or have this question in your mind as you've, as you've shared Christ with others as you've perhaps used tracks, as you've seen different methods out there, different approaches to sharing the gospel, you may wonder, are there actually wrong methods that we should avoid in our evangelism and in our uh, gospel opportunities? And I would say uh, there are some methods which we should avoid uh, in sharing the gospel. Of course, um, on the very, very basic level, any method that does not fully present the gospel should be avoided or at least fixed, you know, so that it does. And that requires then, you know, if you're handing out a tract or if you have some kind of pamphlet you're going to hand someone, um, reading it first. <laughs> Don't just, you know, hand it to them thinking, oh, you know, this, you know, this is great. It says track on it. Must be good. Uh, but read through them. You know, ask for advice. You know, we have... I think I brought it up here. We have God's Bridge to Eternal Life, a wonderful track uh, that you can use. But be intentional. Be familiar with what you're handing people. And obviously I'm just speaking now in terms of things that we hand to people versus conversations, but 
uh, in those kind of materials we give, make sure that there is a whole uh, gospel presentation there, a full understanding and, and an accurate one for that matter. Other methods to avoid are any kind of, and this may seem obvious, but any kind of scare tactics, you know, the kind of get out of hell uh, free card where you're just pressuring them by the, the fear of, oh, I don't want to spend eternity, you know, in this, in this place. Um, and, you know, we may be honest with ourselves and oftentimes, or maybe as a child even, you experience that in your Sunday school class with, you know, teacher Susie Q, who, you know, wants you to be saved and, you know, her, her uh, intentions and her motives are pure, but, you know, she, you know, or he, you know, presents it in such a way that, you know, the child just thinks, oh, well, this sounds scary. I don't want to, I don't want to end up there. And so uh, we need to avoid those kind of tactics, whether we're intentionally or unintentionally doing it, to ensure that they understand the gospel clearly and truly as a relationship with the, with the person of Christ. Other methods to avoid are any kind of, you know, I call it the Bible beating methods of, you know, you're just uh, being insensitive, you know, you, you raise your voice, you're yelling at them, so to speak. Um, perhaps, you know, you're just calling them out as sinners, you know, needing to be re- repent without, you know, any further discussion with them to understand them and to clearly present the gospel. And so, you know, I, I'd even say to this, to that matter, um, that's why in some ways I personally shy away with, from any kind of, you know, corner street preaching where you're just kind of generally speaking out uh, but not having a personal conversation with them because a lot of times that does lead to that kind of, uh, you know, just overemphasizing, you know, uh, the fact that they're sinners, you know, and, you know, and going to hell. So we need to be sensitive in our approach. Uh, we need to be kind and gentle and uh, in our presentation and personal on that matter, too, with them. Another method that I think we should avoid is uh, an intense pressuring for a decision for salvation. Uh, you know, and oftentimes we see these in kind of the, the altar calls where, you know, you just kind of wait it out or there, you know, there's this pressure of, you know, I need to make a decision right now. And um, we need to re- remember that we are there to scatter seeds uh, and that another may water you know, those seeds, and that it's not up to us to have them come to a decision. We love that. You know, it's just enjoyable to see people come to Christ. But uh, we are just at oftentimes one person out of many who will be reaching them and who will be working in their life. And so pressuring for a decision in the moment often leads, leads to false professions of faith uh, because of lack of understanding of the kind of decision they're making. Of, of, of turning to the Lord, submitting to him. Another method that I'll say isn't completely uh, wrong but has its potential uh, faults is the kind of friendship evangelism approach in which um, there is too much focus on the friendship and not enough focus on evangelism. And we kind of just, kind of just spoke about this earlier where, you know, you... You know, you have a commonality, you know, around golf. I'll use that illustration. You got, you know, and well, if I, you know, if I have this friendship, you know, eventually, it'll, you know, I can use this as an evangelism opportunity. But you never really get to that point. 
you know, you kind of just get along, and after a while, you're just kind of hanging out to spend time together, and uh, you never take the time to present the gospel. If you expect that they're going to ask you first, uh, that is often not the case. It can be, and that's wonderful, and the Lord often does that and can do that. But if you have this kind of friendship approach of eventually, you know, they'll, they'll you know, notice the difference in me, and they'll ask me, you know, um, you know, how, how can I be saved, like the Philippian jailer? <laughs> um, again, it's not as if God never works through that uh, and that our conduct can't be influential, but that kind of uh, idea or method that uh, I'm going to build, I have to build you know, this perfect relationship and friendship before I can preach the gospel to them, uh, I think is a, a, it has its faults because it may never lead to the kind of evangelism that really needs to be taking place in that relationship. Now, uh, one kind of matter, and we may expound on this in the weeks ahead, is this idea of um, when presenting the gospel, is it important that they have a full understanding of the Bible? Or can I put it another way? Can I simply just present what I call the 1 Corinthians 15 gospel? You know, where Christ died, he rose again, and, you know, he died for my sins, and that's it. Well, um, you know, that may be kind of a loaded question, but um, I think there are definitely, or I'll say most times, where simply giving a short presentation like that of, you know, Christ came, he died, he rose again, be saved, uh, is an inadequate presentation of the gospel. Um, of course, those are some of the core tenets to the gospel presentation. But in my experience, and perhaps you've faced this as well, even in the last few years, there's an increasing percentage of people who are biblically illiterate. Uh, and, and Pastor uh, has spoken about this some and um, on illiteracy in, of the Bible and the need to, uh, you know, and I think that has to do with partly with, you know, the Bible being taken out of schools and things like that where people just don't have a knowledge of what the Bible says at all. Uh, I, I know I keep going back to this, but in, in our, my evangelism opportunities with Darius um, on, on the university, there were uh, at least 50% of the time uh, when speaking to these college students when we'd say, you know, do you know who Jesus is or have you ever heard of Jesus? And they would say no. Um, or maybe, you know, outside of using it as a, you know, a swear word, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain, they had no idea, you know, who is Jesus? Um, and, uh, you know, why did he come? And so to go in with these kind of conceptions that if I say, Jesus died for your sins and rose again, and all you have to do is believe in him to be saved, you know, and you'll be set. And, well, who is Jesus? Why did he die for me, you know? And those kind of things that we, we can assume, uh, and perhaps because there was a day in our country where, there was more Bible literacy. People at least had a basic understanding of, of the Bible, and I don't think we can assume that anymore. Excuse me for my phone interruption there. Sorry about that. So I think it's important that in our gospel presentation that we, um, that we take the time to explain the whole of Scripture. Now, that may seem overwhelming at the moment, say, you know, so I have to know every verse, or they need to know every verse in order to be saved. No, I'm not conflating the gospel, you know, to the point of saying, you know, they need to know every verse in order to be saved. 
but they need to embrace it as the truth, and I think that requires then, that prerequisite is that they need to know the kinds of things that they're embracing as the truth. They need to understand who Jesus is and why he had to come and what the Old Testament says about the Messiah. You know, the prophets prophesying of his coming and of, uh, of his uh, coming for salvation, of dying on the cross, but also, too, and pastors often emphasize this, is the whole, um, the whole kingdom, God's future rule. And they understand that they're submitting to a king who is going to return and who's going to rule over all the world and that uh, he's going to judge uh, the unrighteous. And so um, I think it's important that we, uh, and this is going back to these redemptive relationships, that we think not uh, about evangelism, sim- evangelism simply as a five-minute gospel presentation, but as a, a longer process that's going to take time uh, with folks. And so we need to build those relationships so that there can be multiple conversations with them. Um, that may not always be the case. You know, you're in the store and you hand a tract out and you may never see them again. And that's not to say that that, you know, can't be effective. But we have so many, I think, we can admit so many relationships already that we have time with those people. And so let's build those redemptive relationships when we present the gospel, let's make sure that they have a full understanding of what the Bible is teaching. I, and, and to help you, you know, kind of conceptualize this better as far as the kind of illiteracy concerning the Bible that we're facing today, I, I found some of these statistics that honestly weren't too surprising to me. And in some ways I expected it to be far worse. But uh, the state of the Bible, which is a survey uh, or a, a organization that comes out with a survey every year on on Bible literacy and what people believe about the Bible, came out with these results in uh, the 2022 survey that uh, we find nearly 40% of Americans say they never read the Bible outside of church services or mass. Um, And that's actually nearly a 6% increase from 2020, so just in two years. Three, a 6% increase. Another 20% say they read it on their own no more than twice a year. In my mind, I'm probably thinking when they attend church on Christmas and Easter. That's the only two times they read it. That leaves 40% who say they read it on their own at least three times a year. <clears throat> Those who read daily amount to 10% of all Americans. This is the challenge we're facing in this day and age. And so to presume that they have an understanding of the Genesis account, of what the Old Testament says about Christ coming, what the Gospels even say, what Paul preaches, I don't think we can go, go into those con- conversations assuming that these, they understand these kind of uh, ideas and uh, these truths and so we need to have a comprehensive uh, conversation with them when presenting the gospel. I'll do, I do want to do a quick kind of case study on this, and then we'll close. I know we're out of time. But in Acts 17, uh, we see Paul uh, preaching the gospel. Acts 17, I'll read these verses, um, and then just 
give a few thoughts on them before we close. Acts 17, verse, beginning in verse 16, it says, now while, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, the, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus in the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were, who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For I am passing through and considering the objects, objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, notice what Paul does here, Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell in all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And even in this kind of uh, this, this short presentation, and I even, uh, I'll say this, I don't think that this is all that Paul said when he was there preaching. This is kind of just a you know, a, a summary of the of his gospel presentation. But even in this alone, you see that Paul takes them all the way back to Genesis and teaching them that this God, you know, using actually an illustration from their own objects of worship, is the God who created, the God who has, you know, ordained all things, who has created all people from one blood, the God who has, um, the God who now, you know, calls us to repent because he has appointed a day in which Christ will come and uh, he will be resurrected, uh, this Christ. And so Paul walks them through understanding their ignorance of the Old Testament scriptures, most of them being ignorant of them, and he walks them through uh, in kind of summary fashion the whole of the scriptures, teaching them who this God is and what he calls them to do. And I think that should be our philosophy and part of our approach in presenting the gospel, especially in this day and age in which there's so much biblical illiteracy that we're facing. But that requires us what? To understand the, the Bible and to be able to present it to them clearly and comprehensively. And so I hope in the weeks ahead as we look at various methods and as we uh, refresh ourselves in the content of the gospel 
uh, that we find ourselves more confident and bold in sharing the gospel and being able to overcome some of the challenges that we spoke about uh, a moment ago. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for uh, the, uh, the word of God, which is uh, effective, the gospel, which is the power of God, Lord, and we thank you that it, uh, we're not just relying upon ourselves uh, in presenting the gospel. It's not up to us to create some kind of change or belief in their heart. It is the Spirit of God working in them through your word to make such a change to regenerate their hearts. So, Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to overcome our fears and challenges and to be uh, refreshed and reminded of what, the, of what your word teaches so that we can be effective ambassadors of Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.